Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in. In just a moment, we'll be speaking with the director of our World Center in Jerusalem. Now, while you're settling in, be sure to visit our website, b'nai like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. Joining me today from Jerusalem is my colleague Alan Schneider, the director of the B'nai World Center in Jerusalem, which serves as the hub of B'nai international activities in Israel. The World Center is the key link between Israel and B'nai members and supporters around the world. Alan, welcome to the program. Hi, Dan. Great to be here. Let's uh, begin first with a word about the World Center. How did it come into being? Well, Dan, um, you know, B'nai B'rith has been uh, active in Israel since way back, going back to 1888, when the first lodge uh, of B'nai B'rith was established in Jerusalem, called appropriately the Jerusalem Lodge. And we see that as the the mother lodge of all of B'nai B'rith activity uh, in Israel. But uh, in uh, 1980, uh, there was a UN resolution that called on all of the states uh, that had their embassies in uh, Jerusalem to move them out of, quote, the holy city. Uh, and that was a, as a result of the Jerusalem law that was passed that year by the Knesset that united both sides, the eastern and western sides of the city, uh, into one uh, one united city as Israel's capital. Um, and when these uh, 11 embassies moved out, actually took the step of moving out of Jerusalem, uh, B'nai B'rith International took the decision to establish its own embassy uh, in Israel's capital, in Jerusalem, uh, and that is the B'nai B'rith World Center. Uh, formerly, it was uh, established and registered in 1982 uh, under a decision of the Board of Governors uh, of B'nai B'rith, and ever since then, we've been acting uh, as the embassy of B'nai B'rith International in Jerusalem, reaching out to our entire network uh, around the world, in, in North America, in um, in Europe and in Latin America, Australia, and working with, with all of these B'nai B'rith affiliates to uh, organize uh, activities with Israel and in Israel. Well, you've got, uh, I know, a long series of programs. Some of them have been going on for many years. Uh, I know there are several that are, that are current and, and uh, very interesting, and I'd like to talk to you about them today. Uh, the first would be um, the Jewish Rescuers Program. Now, this relates to uh, those uh, Jews during the Holocaust uh, who, at great risk to themselves, saved other Jews. Tell us about how that program came into being and what it is that uh, you do with it. All right, Dan. Well, actually, um, we began our activity uh, quite a while ago, uh, going back to 2003, when um, at the initiative of uh, the B'nai B'rith World Center, the uh, B'nai B'rith Board of Governors took a decision uh, that authorized the World Center to engage in identifying and honoring Jews who performed extraordinary actions to save other Jews during the Holocaust. And um, uh, ever since then, uh, we've been engaged, uh, as you mentioned, in, in seeking out the stories of uh, very courageous Jews who had the opportunity and had the wherewithal and the ability to reach out uh, and help to rescue other Jews. 
Um, we have two main programs uh, under that rubric, and one of them is a, um, a major ceremony that we undertake together with the Jewish National Fund uh, at the B'nai B'rith Martyrs Forest, which is uh, the, the, the principal joint project between B'nai B'rith and the Jewish National Fund. It was a forest established in the 1950s, actually is the first memorial uh, to uh, the um, victims of the Holocaust uh, in Israel. Uh, and uh, at the pinnacle of that forest, uh, at a clearing, where there's a, um, a monument called the Scroll of Fire by Nathan Rappaport, a, a very uh, invocative um, monument showing the, the history uh, of Jews uh, during the Holocaust and through to the establishment of the State of Israel uh, and in, until 1967. Um, that's where we hold this annual event for the last 15 years, uh, where we have uh, about 800 participants every year, uh, half of them soldiers, the other half uh, are students. Uh, and um, uh, at that ceremony, we recognize the uh, heroism of Jewish rescuers. The other project that we have that, uh, that was established a few years ago is called the Jewish Rescuer Citation. Uh, and under that citation, uh, together with the um, committee to, to recognize the heroism of Jewish rescuers during the Holocaust, uh, we have presented citations to about 170 Jewish rescuers or uh, their family members. These are people whose stories uh, we have uh, investigated, we've researched and vetted, uh, and these are indeed people who uh, went beyond the call of duty, endangering themselves and their families in some cases to uh, rescue uh, fellow Jews, to um, um, either they were successful in, um, in rescuing them and then surviving uh, the Holocaust itself, in some cases, uh, the people were later caught and uh, and murdered, but nonetheless they uh, went beyond the call of duty and and uh, endangered themselves to try to uh, secure the safety of these uh, other Jews. Some of these uh, uh, not family members. When some of these um, recognition ceremonies are held, I know we usually do releases. Uh, talking about these stories, and I'm sure that uh, our listeners can find uh, those stories on our website. Uh, let's talk about the media in Israel. It's a uh, it's a very active uh, media, uh, newspapers, TV, radio, um, and uh, each year the World Center in Jerusalem presents uh, prizes for uh, coverage of diaspora affairs. Tell us a little more about that program. Uh, well, this is a, a program that's going back now uh, more than two decades, uh, and uh, we devised a, a project um, under which we sought to encourage the local media, the local Israeli media, mainly in Hebrew, but also in other languages, English and so on, uh, but try to encourage them to focus more attention on the Jewish diaspora, to publish more um, uh, articles and, and uh, qualitative articles about the Jewish diaspora. And uh, the reason for it is, uh, you know, we all recognize the, the importance of the media uh, and um, uh, how they, uh, how it's, it influences the discussion uh, and uh, influences society. And uh, when we recognize that there was a, 
uh, a shift in the relationship between Israel and the diaspora and, and a, a drawing away one from the other, particularly uh, in Israel, uh, you know, with Israelis being so focused uh, on their own reality and uh, in some cases a very uh, difficult reality, uh, considering um, wars and security situations and so on, uh, we wanted to encourage the local media to um, devote more attention to Jewish diaspora communities. And that's why we established uh, this award. It's presented uh, in memory of uh, Wolf and Hilda Matzdorf, who were members of B'nai B'rith. Wolf was a founding member of the B'nai B'rith World Center, was active in B'nai B'rith in Australia before he uh, immigrated to Israel uh, and uh, was himself a journalist. And so um, uh, after his passing, we uh, decided to establish this, this prize uh, in his honor. and. Uh, we have been uh, presenting uh, the uh, the prize uh, once yearly. It's become actually, uh, I believe, the most prestigious uh, diaspora uh, media prize uh, in Israel. Uh, every year we present it at a major event with major speakers uh, who in the past have included the president of Israel and the prime minister of Israel, uh, government ministers, minister of diaspora affairs. Uh, we held it once uh, at the Knesset uh, in, in fact, and, and once at the the president's residence, uh, and uh, we're very proud. Actually, uh, um, we will be announcing uh, shortly the the winners of this year's award. Now, there's another program which uh, I really find fascinating. It relates to disaster relief and humanitarian assistance. Um, this is uh, really a, a phenomenon, um, I guess, over the past uh, 15 years, maybe a little bit longer, where out of Israel uh, comes uh, expertise um, from those organizations who are able to provide, um, if not as first responders, very close to first responders, uh, um, assistance to the victims of natural disasters. Now, B'nai is not a, a first responder, but you have created a, a program for us in partnership with others uh, that really has made a difference in the lives of so many of the victims of these disasters. Um, and uh, I'm sure our listeners would like to hear about that as well. Yes, uh, Dan. Well, um, are you referring to uh, our role uh, in establishing Israel, uh, which is the uh, international forum for um, the Israel Israeli forum for international humanitarian aid, uh, and um, uh, we were actually uh, founding members uh, with other organizations and individuals who were concerned. Um, you know, about the fact that um, there were all these, you know, disasters, humanitarian disasters happening around the world, uh, and Israel seemed to be uh, ill-equipped to, um, to bring its expertise uh, and uh, uh, its, its experts uh, into these disaster situations and, and offer uh, assistance. Uh, and that's why Israel aid was, uh, was established. And over the years, as you mentioned, about 15 years now, we really have been able to uh, insert ourselves into uh, various uh, disaster situations around the world, whether it was earthquakes in Peru uh, or tsunami in, uh, in Japan, um, earthquake in Haiti, and, and many other uh, situations where uh, B'nai B'rith, in partnership with, with Israel, 
was really a key uh, element in bringing a, a very early humanitarian aid uh, and emergency aid uh, to, the, to the victims of these natural disasters. Um, in some cases, we've we've also responded to uh, man-made disasters, you know, such as the war in Georgia, uh, where um, uh, we came to Georgia while the war was actually still in progress, and uh, brought a our, our assistance there was to bring a kitchen uh, where we were cooking 3,000 meals a day for the refugees uh, coming out of the areas uh, that were uh, captured by by the so by Russia. Uh, and uh, so this indeed has become a very significant uh, uh, project uh, and um, uh, been in many of the cases uh, provided the, the initial assistance that made it possible to send the very first groups into, uh, into these disaster situations. Uh, our modus operandi was uh, always not only to uh, provide assistance, but also to build a platform on which we could then send in further assistance, further additional experts, and continue the work uh, on the ground. Not only go in, you know, for the initial two or three weeks uh, while, there, uh, let's say, there was a need for uh, medical assistance, but while the initial group was there, also to um, build the, uh, the 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 foundations for ongoing aid, and so in many of these cases, for example, in Sri Lanka and and, and uh, in Japan and Haiti, uh, uh, Israel was on the ground for years, uh, helping these countries to rebuild uh, from these natural disasters. And finally, I want to talk about a partnership that we've had over the last couple of years, which has produced a couple of very important conferences, and I'm speaking of the cooperation we have with the Begin Sadat Center at Bar-Ilan University. Um, and the two conferences that we've had uh, have addressed uh, strategic issues in the Eastern Mediterranean. A bit about uh, that partnership and what you see going forward. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, uh, we've had uh, now in two consecutive years, we've done conferences with the Begin Sadat Center, which is... Um, uh, really, I think one of the the leading uh, think tanks uh, in Israel, out of uh, out of Bar Ilan University, uh, had a very um, very good cooperation uh, in putting together uh, these conferences that have focused on the strategic challenges in the Eastern Mediterranean. Uh, this uh, conference that was held on February 21st, the last one, um, really came at a at a critical time uh, after. Um, the Trump administration was um, came into office, uh, and and before the the policy of this new administration is really seen on the ground in, in many places. So uh, it was left up to the uh, the speakers to um, review what the situation uh, is on the ground uh, uh, in in uh, different areas uh, in in the Eastern Mediterranean, and also to. To try to divine uh, how things might change under under the new administration, we had you know some uh, really outstanding speakers, uh, including the the current uh, ambassador of Greece uh, here in Israel, who is a the former director of their security um, uh, apparatus uh, in in Greece. Uh, we had um, Professor Ephraim Inbar, who was the founding director uh, of the Bessa Center. Um, 
We had speakers from Russia and uh, from the United Kingdom um, and uh, from the United States. And uh, we also did a special session uh, in the conference looking more deeply into the uh, aspect of culture uh, in the uh, Mediterranean basin uh, and how that perhaps could form a as a uh, could form a, a foundation for peaceful relations between the countries uh, in this region. In the few, of course, we'd be looking sometime into the future while wars rage in Syria, Libya, and Iraq and elsewhere. But uh, trying to look at the um, um, the culture in this region, uh, serving perhaps as a, a common commonality. Uh, for all of the countries. That was a very, I thought, a very interesting session um, uh, that we had. Well, there's no question that uh, these kinds of discussions and uh, issues uh, really uh, help us to understand a, a very complicated, very complex region, uh, the one where you're living, but the one that uh, we obviously care a great deal about. So we look for more cooperation going forward with uh, the BESA Center. Uh, Alan, just to close, we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to, to get this in as well. Since uh, you are in Jerusalem, um, the World Center has uh, hosted uh, something called the Jerusalem Lecture, and you've had some very prestigious uh, speakers. Tell us just in a, in a few minutes uh, or less uh, about that program, because you've really brought uh, some great uh, thinkers, authors, uh, other public figures uh, to Jerusalem uh, for these lectures. Uh, that's right. Uh, the Jerusalem lecture again is one of our long-standing projects, uh, and um, uh, it is our most prestigious uh, forum uh, where we try to uh, deal in depth with some of the challenges facing uh, Israel and the, the Jewish world. Uh, over time, we've had. Um, very prominent speakers, uh, including um, Howard Jacobson, who was our last speaker. Uh, he, as you know, is a, um, a uh, very prominent um, uh, author and winner of the Booker Award. Um, we've also had uh, very prominent uh, philosophers speaking uh, to us, um, experts in international relations, um, uh, government, um, uh, high-level government uh, representatives, and uh, people of that sort. It's, uh, the, the Jerusalem Address really um, delves, we try to uh, believe, you know, beyond the headlines uh, into the, um, the, the deeper issues and, and challenges facing um, uh, Israel and, and the diaspora. And I would encourage everyone to uh, look at the B'nai B'rith website for the reports that we have on uh, the most recent uh, addresses that, that were presented here. Well, Alan, thank you very much. That's about all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks again for joining us for the B'nai International Podcast. Please visit our website, b'nai like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about it. For my colleague Alan Schneider, I'm Dan Mariashin. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. <laughs>